0: Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. Great to be here today, preaching the word with you. And uh, hey, just want to do a bit of a shout out to Tim Good, who's out there over there, this guy over Easter. Yeah, everyone say hi Tim. hi, Tim. Yep. He is the man with the paintbrush and he has painted the entire this entire room um, and freshened it up. So give him a high five and some, yeah, give him some love, a clap, maybe even a kiss on the cheek. Um, probably not, anyway. So, um, yeah, next week we've got Dale in. She's going to be preaching on Sunday, which is going to be super good. And I spoke with her about what she's speaking on. And so she's doing a David and Goliath-style message and really about empowerment. And I thought, well, it'd be great to do a couple of weeks on the subject of being empowered and, and finding our breakthrough uh, so that we can actually go on strong and do life uh, really, really well. Because so, we're not called to do things uh, averagely, are, are we? We are actually called to shine. In this in this world, so it's really good, amazing, uh, dedicating children, eh? Uh, today, it's been such a beautiful thing. And I love uh, name meanings. I always like when we named our children, we were quite intentional about the names we used and believed that God was speaking something, you know, uh, really uh, relevant as we considered uh, the, the, the name of our kids. You know, like Tristan's name is Bold and Valiant. So we're telling him every time that we say your name, Tristan, we're saying that you are bold and valiant. My name, on the other hand, my name is Glenn. Hi. Yeah. And it means uh, Valley. Yay. My middle name is Douglas, and that means dark stream. Sounds mysterious, dark stream in a valley. Debbie's name, uh, her name means bee, like bzz, honeybee. Okay. With a sting. Uh, <laughs> she, she has some good nectar. Anyway, she, uh, her middle name is Susan, and that means Lily of the Valley. See something here? Combine our names, right? And we've got a bee sitting on a lily in a dark stream that runs through a valley. There we go. Pretty awesome, eh? You can make anything like... Amazing when you really think about it long enough. (laughs) So, uh, this morning I'm going to be sharing a a story about a man who needed a name transplant, but more than a name transplant, he actually needed an identity uh, transplant. So, we're going to jump into this story uh, this morning, and it begins on a road in the middle of a night. Uh, He's on his way home. And he is full of regret. He's full of regrets about uh, betraying his older brother and 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 uh, and and confusing his father as well. And he's full of apprehension about meeting his older brother because he left he left a mess, and his older brother wanted to kill him. And so you can imagine uh, going back on this road, and you're thinking like, "Am I going to live or die when I see my older brother? Will I get out of this alive?" But he had heard God's voice, and that's why he was on the road. He was on the road back to God's promises. And God had said, hey, go back to your family. Go back to your homeland. And that's where my promises await For you, and so it's quite funny because he sent. He knew what was uh, ahead of him. He knew the apprehension that was ahead of him, but he was like, "I'm going to send lots of animals to, like, you know, really just uh, bless my brother and just to soften him up." So he sent hundreds and hundreds of animals, like millions, like millions, but like herds of camels and all that, all those kind of, you know, sheep, go everything. You you think of an animal now, and it could be want to be one of those animals. (laughs) There were zebras, like giraffes, unicorns, push me pull you. Um, anyway, they he he was like, he was like, I, I'm going, but I want to just like soften this whole thing up. So he went back and he was and he sent his family ahead of him, and he was just there by himself. Everyone else had gone on ahead of him. And his granddad was Father Abraham. His name was Jacob. And he was going to become the father of the 12 significant tribes of Israel. One of those tribes was, and one of his sons was the son Joseph for the, you know, technical dream coat. And he was, uh, he was amazing as well. And he had incredible influence in the Bible. So we're going to jump into the story at Genesis 32 right now. So if you've got your Bibles here, you could turn to them, but you probably don't. So just look at the screen. It says, so Jacob was left alone. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans, and you have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him. The man blessed Jacob there, and the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and then he was limping because of of his hip. And so this man that Jacob was wrestling with was actually God. It was actually a a physical being that Jacob had encountered. And, and, And he said to him, you've wrestled with God and with people, and you have overcome. See, there's this wrestle in life. There's this contending that we need to engage with. And and, and it's almost like a a refusal to accept the limitations uh, that we may currently have. Maybe a refusal to to just live in the past, or it's a a refusal to just, you know, to to say, I I don't want to just settle uh, and and just be a part of the world standards, but I want to step into the the kingdom realm of God. I want to enter into His kingdom. I want to see the supernatural flowing through my life. I want to see my high school wrecked with His love. I want to see my friends, my workmates blessed with His kingdom. When we start dreaming like that, when we start uh, thinking and dwelling on the, the, the big things that God has for us, and when He gives us an invitation to step into these things, we begin a wrestle. We begin this process of letting something go to inherit something greater. And so in this process, uh, Jacob had his name changed. And and his new name was Israel. And this name, it means triumphant with God, who prevails over God. And the King James defines this name as Prince with God. It's eh? Like this wrestle, like this name change, it actually redefined who he was. And so God has created all of us to be overcomers. He's, he's put that into our DNA. He's like, I want you to, I want you, your mandate is to fill, is to rule, and is to subdue the earth. You know, that word subdue is actually a word of, that is, it's about taming. It's about conquering and it's about conforming something to God's heart. It's changing the shape of it. So we're called to actually be overcomers and to bring his kingdom, not to stay dormant or stagnate, but to, to continue to unlock his kingdom in our lives. And we love this this process that is in the Bible when we start engaging with change, don't we? This process is found in Romans 5. And I know as Christians, you get so excited about this kind of thing. And because this process says, hey, the first thing you're going to encounter when you start engaging with my kingdom is that you're going to start suffering. Yeah. Yeah. We love that, don't we? We're like, yeah, bring on the kingdom, bring on the suffering of God. And then that suffering, it says, that's gonna produce something in you. That's gonna produce perseverance. That's gonna that's gonna build something in you. It says, you know, I'm not. I'm gonna become someone who's resilient in life. I'm gonna hold on to God's promises. I'm gonna step forward despite my circumstances. This is not easy. I'm gonna let something go, but I'm gonna step on. And then it says, uh, suffering produces perseverance, and that develops character. And we want character as as. As representatives of God's kingdom, we want to be—you know—I don't know if we can be bulletproof, but we want to have that kind of, of 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 life where it just reflects the heartbeat, and we're authentic, representing the King because He's He wants to entrust to us uh, these things that represent who He is, and He has got incredible character. So He says a part of this uh, process of suffering perseverance is, is 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 that the character within us would just be. Honed and refined and drawn out to be the best that it could be. It sounds so much fun, doesn't it? Suffering with the mirror, and then it says there'll be hope. The last thing it would be like. Well, that would be nice to have the hope back at the start. But there's this process that that says, you know, there's a part of your life that you actually just have to walk on faith. You have to go through this so it would produce a hope. And it says that this hope would not disappoint us because he has poured out his love into our hearts through Christ Jesus. Come on we we're, we're called to wrestle through the things of god we're called to wrestle with ourselves we're wrestling with well, you might be here today and you're like man my life i'm just wrestling with myself i'm struggling with stuff in my life and and i'm wrestling with my faith you know i'm wrestling with god like how does this all make sense why are there still limitations on me and god is saying you know it, just wrestle it through Engage in His process. Let His his process of creating something greater in you be a part of who you are. If you're here today and you've got no desire to grow, you may have been completely misinformed by your history, that, that engaging with a change process is not worth the pain. It's not worth the risk. It means I've got to pace, face my, uh, the things that I don't like about myself. Maybe there's people in my past I have to say sorry to. Maybe there's unfinished business there. But your, your, your past has said, hey, don't go there. It, when you went there, it hurt. And life does hurt. Like, let's be real about it. Like, let's be real that life is not easy. But I want to call you up and say, hey, with God's grace in your life, there's nothing that you're going to face today that with Him you can't handle. That was a truth coach that I had on my desk, I had on my steering wheel, I had it all around my life when I felt so overwhelmed with, uh, with when I started my business and we had no money. And, 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 and I had this little thing, I'd look and I'd, I'd just look at it and I'd be like, there's nothing that I'm going to face today that God and I can't handle together. And I want to call you out of your corner, if you're in a corner today, and say, come on, you can break through. You are destined to be an overcomer. In Isaiah 43, 18, it says this, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. I want to do a new thing in your life. Will you engage with me in that process? It's going to be painful, but it's going to be so worth it because God is the God of empowerment. He wants to empower you. He's a God of encouragement. He wants to bless you, and He calls us to be encouragers of one another, and He wants to encounter you like Jacob was encountered on the road in the dark of night, and he wrestled with God, and out of that came an encounter that redefined and reshaped his life You know, before Jacob had this uh, redefining moment on the road with God, he was out there. He was creating his testimony, and he was making a bit of a mess, you know. (laughs) He was working on it, and he was doing a good job. He was the second born of twin boys. The Bible says that Jacob was born holding onto his brother's foot. And so he came out in second place. And, and he was named Jacob, and in the Bible, in Hebrew, it, Jacob actually means deceiver. It's not very nice, is it? I was looking up for some positive means, meanings for the name Jacob as well, but it also means overcomer and overthrower, and we're called to be the overthrower of the enemy and the overcomer of the devil in life. But in this context, it actually meant deceiver. And I don't know what his parents were thinking in this moment. His older brother was named Esau, and that meant Hairy. So there was Hairy and there was Deceiver. And I think they're probably not the greatest names to name your children. And, uh, and, and, and so there they were anyway. But the firstborn, Hairy, uh, receives a double portion because he came out of the womb first. It's hardly fair, but he receives a double portion as the oldest son. He was favored by his father what the Bible says. And Jacob, though, he was like the mummy's boy. He, his mummy loved him. And that's all right. That's good. And then Jacob was envious, though. He was like, what? And his mother obviously was like totally in on this. And she's like, you're my favorite. So Jacob, with the help of his mother, managed to deceive his father into giving him Esau's birthright. Sneaky, eh? So his dad was going blind. Esau was hairy. So mum goes and kills a couple of goats and gets the goat fur. I know, because Jacob didn't even know how to kill animals. So his mum had to do it, I think. And so she covered him in goat's fur. And so he went to his dad. His dad couldn't see, reached out, touched him. He's like, that's a hairy guy, man. He's definitely Mr. Hairy. So that's Esau. And so, and then. Uh, um, Isaac, his dad, pronounces beautiful blessing over Jacob, who is sneakily undercover, and uh, and through this deception, like when the blessing was given, it couldn't be renounced. But through this uh, this deception, Jacob then took the rights as the firstborn son. He became the number one inheritor of his father's estate and received a double portion of his family inheritance. You can imagine what that did to the family. (laughs) Like Esau would have been like, yeah, I'm gonna kill you. That hurt my throat. (laughs) Yeah. And Dad, and Dad was so upset, he was devastated. See, Jacob, Jacob's given given name was starting to define him. Deception had become his mode of operation in life, and and then it's you know what comes around goes around, and he was out of there because that was just dangerous living with his family after then, <laughs> and he went somewhere else, and he gave then he then he met this beautiful girl called Rachel, and he's like, I want to marry you, I love you so much, and. Uh, He was just smitten, and he was so smitten. He went to her dad, Laban, and he said, you know, hey, um, can I marry your daughter? She is a knockout. And, And Laban's like, sure, buddy. You just give me seven years of hard labor, and she's all yours. And she must have been amazing because that's what he did. Seven years of hard labor. He, well, I don't know if it was hard labor. He might have just been on the tractor. But he, was, he worked for seven years before he had the right and permission to marry Rachel. She must have been some kind of, like, sweet girl. And then, though, the wedding night happens. Most of you guys know the story. But the father switched out his daughter, Rachel, with his older daughter, Leah. And so they woke up in the morning, like, how are you, huh? You know, that is an awkward moment. And he had been deceived. And then he had to work another seven years for Rachel. That's a lot of, that's 14 years for two wives. I don't know if that's worth it. <laughs> He'd become the deceived one. His identity was, was uh Uh, bringing cause and effect around his life. Jacob was uh, reaping what he was sowing and his his life was locked up in the stronghold of deception. You know, humanity, we are hardwired. We are created to be connected to and draw from whatever we perceive is our greatest source of strength and safety. And that is whether it is true or not. And we can have a distorted uh, picture or perspective of strength uh, through what we tell ourselves and what we keep ourselves safe by or by what, by, uh, what others have defined us by. Like, uh the labels that we, wore, we were, uh, that I wore at high school, actually, were just incredibly powerful over my life to the vision that I had for my future. You know, like the, the label of reject, that was something that I needed to just, like, get rid of. Like, I needed to, that, you know, I wasn't. And, and I wasn't a victim. You know, I, I grew up thinking I was a victim because I was really bullied. and But I would play the victim card, and I would use being a victim as a strength. It sounds weird, but you can do that. You can, you can just be really passive in the way that, in the mode of operation of your life, and you can just be defined and controlled by these limitations, but we, we use them as strengths. We use them as our identity, but they're actually not true. They're actually counterfeit and distortion, uh, distortions of true strength. And so we're going to go through a few of these. And if you see yourself in any of these statements today, I don't want condemnation at all to land on you. We're going to have some prayer at the end, and I'd love to pray for you. And so would some of the others here. You could talk with someone about this, uh, what we're going to just look at next. But, But the idea today is that we just unlock and become real about where we're at. You know, the truth will set us free. And sometimes just being truthful about where we're at and talking about it, if you confess your sins, God's faithful and just. Actually, confess your sins one to another, God is faithful and just, and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Like, we're all about wanting to become freer, like uh, seeing more of God's perspective in our lives and just outworking that. So this is what, the first one is, this could could be uh, a, a strong thing for you, a counterfeit strength that I am a powerless victim. If I don't do anything, I won't get hurt. I am safe, therefore I am strong. You know, you could be missing out because you're playing it safe. God has called you into a position of victory. The Bible says that he gives us his shield of victory. His right hand sustains us. He stoops down and makes us great. He wants us to not adopt a victim mindset in our life, but he wants us to take on a victory, a banner of victory, represent the king of victory. He's not a loser. He's He's not losing the battle for this world. He is in a position of victory, and he's calling us to occupy that place of victory. Another one. I must keep the peace at any price. This is interesting. Maybe uh, you you feel like you need to keep the peace and not speak out because of the fear of uh, retribution, because of an angry parent or a boss. You've been shut down because of someone's harshness uh, as as you've been parented or or uh, spoken to in any way, and and so. Your your, your um, self talk maybe that my strength is found in avoiding confrontation, and, but underneath that exists a root that uh, where there's a stronghold of fear. You know, God actually calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Sometimes it takes courage and we need to speak up to let the kingdom of peace and the government of peace actually flow through our lives. And if you've been shut down by others today, then I break that off you in Jesus' name. Those harsh, angry words, they are not in your future. The Father is calling you out to be a voice for his kingdom of peace. The next one, when I distort the truth, I keep my uh, credibility. (laughs) When I distort the truth, I keep my credibility. Hashtag lying. (laughs) I remain credible if I lie. My reputation is safe, and it's really easy to do this, especially in little ways if you're just trying to cover your back and just like go, oh, oops. Caught short here. Uh, let's just tell a little lie. <laughs> you know, it's just so much better just to be totally upfront and honest about whether you dropped the ball or did or did whatever. You know, that that little regret you have. Like like I said before, let's be people who speak the truth. Speak the truth in love, but that truth will set us free, and truthfulness will set us free. Next one: Addictions help me cope with stress. I am coping when I am coping. I am strong. And maybe you use porn eating, your alcohol, shopping, or TV, because our brains, they give us a chemical hit when we reach for substance, when we reach for something like that. And for a few moments, maybe a few hours or a few days, we feel like we're winning in life. But you were never born to just cope with your life, to just cope with your environment, to just cope with your children, to just cope with your job, to just cope with your perspective of yourself. You know, we have moments in life when it's like flipping, I am just coping like this is hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like when the twins were born, I was like, whoa. (laughs) My twins, not Esau and Jacob, just in case you're wondering. But if you are stuck in a rut of just coping with your life, then God wants to break you out and call you up into a place of success and vibrancy and liberty and freedom. You're born to live from a place of victory, Next one, you know, I am my performance. I am driven by my need for affirmation. And this is not a reliable one. If that's you, you probably know that because you're like, I can never get enough affirmation. Like, somebody just tell me I preached, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I face this one sometimes, you know. <laughs> You know, but people, we're never going that's our sole source, and we need to be encouragers of one another. But if, if that's all we've got is the voices of others in our ears, that is never going to fulfill your ultimate need for affirmation. You've been disconnected from the father heart. You're feeling like an orphan, and God wants to bring you back and let him be a father in your world, connected. In, he's divine. You're the branches. That's where the affirmation flows out of that relationship with God. Your significance is found in his Eyes and that one another one that goes with that that dovetails with that is that other people determine my worth and value. And we're good, we're good at this as Christians, you know, maybe because we are like we like helping people, and that's really nice. We can get a pat on the back when we help people, and we're seen to be helping people. But God, once again, He's the one who defines our worth and value. And the last one is, What I am achieving is more important than who I am becoming. What I am achieving is more important than whom I am becoming. And our humanistic culture is just yelling this in our face every time we turn on the TV, every time we read junk mail. We're like, it's saying, get more stuff buy this product. You need this to be truly recognized that you have made it in life. You need this new house. You need this new car. You need, you need a holiday. You need to go to this location, and that is going to be what you need uh, uh, to, to signify that you're becoming great. So where do we go to find our strength? I love Proverbs 18 verse 10. It says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they are safe. It doesn't say the name of Father, which is interesting. It doesn't say the name of our Savior, it says the name of the Lord. Is a strong tower, and I want to be people who I want. I believe that we're called to be a people who surrender, our wrestle, our struggles at the feet of our Lord, and say, "Let Your kingdom come. Let Your will be done. And let Your oh, let You be Lord over the contentions of my life." Not to say that He doesn't want to father us through that as well, but it is lordship is an act of surrender, and He He desires to flow and be the strength. See, it says when. He is the Lord. He is a strong tower. And you can run to Him. Don't run somewhere else. Run to Him. But, you know, the strength providers in our lives will ultimately become the strong towers or the strongholds that we live from. And I want you, I don't want you to miss out when the foundation of your tower starts crumbling that you realize that you have not been in the strong tower. That the Lord's name is your strong tower. In World War II, there's this incredible battle. It's, it's one of the biggest uh, battles uh, in the history of World War II, and it's when the British and the American army, they have to cross the English uh, Channel to invade France, which Germany has overrun. And so it's occupied by the Germans at this time. And so the American and British army are like, we've got to get to the beaches to do this. We can't go to the harbors because we're going to get blown apart. We've got to get to the beaches. The problem at the beaches is that there was no harbour. They had absolutely no way of getting their troops, uh, like refueling their troops and refueling their vehicles and and creating a haven, a beachhead, a stronghold that they could then go on and take the invading forces into. And they came up with an incredible plan to build these mulberry harbors. And they were concrete um, barges and they were built in the UK and they floated them across the English Channel and then they filled them up with water and they sunk and they basically became like a strong harbour. It's incredible. They're still on the beaches of Normandy today, these concrete, and and they, they laid a pipe all the way from England to France that's fed fuel all the way to it. And the pumping station in the UK was actually disguised as an ice cream factory. So they were never, in, uh, yeah, never, never, never going to get uh, bombed because, I mean, Even when the Germans were going to occupy England, that's the first thing they wanted was ice cream. so. So I love this picture of how we can translate that into our lives, that God is actually wanting to bring advance into those places that the devil occupies. But we need to turn towards him. He wants to fuel the assignment and fuel the exploits uh, and and the intentions of our heart uh, as we step and as we move towards uh, victory in those areas of tension and wrestle in our lives for God's kingdom to grow within us, and for us to gain a foothold personally or corporately, we cannot be passive about the things that bring limitations to us. It says this in Second Corinthians 10, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, we demolish arguments. What's a stronghold? It's an argument. And every pretension, it's a thought that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. See, the stronghold that it's talking about here is the stronghold of our mind. It's not people that aren't at church and, and, and the media and all those things that we as Christians were like, holy. then we'd be awesome. It's actually talking about the strongholds that are in our own life. The Message Version says this, We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. See, God wants to do a great work in us and conform our thinking, our emotions, our intentions to the structure of the government of heaven. And we've got to wrestle that through every day of our lives, usually, (laughs) at least every week. And I just want to bring a couple of thoughts from Jacob's story as he broke free from the stronghold of deception that may apply to you today. The first thing that Jacob did was he heard God's voice and he moved towards the promises that God had for his life. Jacob's journey had taken him away from his family and God was calling him back to his home homeland. The reality is for us, when we start moving towards God's promises, is that we're actually Often confronted with our old enemies, and on his way home, Jacob knew that he was going to be confronted with his older angry brother. And I just want to encourage you today that as you move towards the kingdom of God and the will of God, you do not move towards him alone, you move towards those things and those corners and those frustrations and those 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 barriers that are blocking your breakthrough. You move towards that with the heart of God. And 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 it says that that along the way, you know, Jacob had sent everyone in front of him and he was all alone in the night and God encountered him. And in that moment when he was moving towards those limitations and, and the fear and, and, and the and the Just the unanswered things of his past, God broke through for him and reshaped his identity. Hebrews 4 says that we've got to fight to enter our rest. And the rest in this context of this verse is the promised land. It's the promises that God has for our lives. Let's just stand this morning and we'll just close here as we invite the band up. I love it that Jacob, Jacob's identity was reborn as he faced his, his past, you know, as he faced those, the tests of his life. He became Israel. He became triumphant with God. I just want to speak Psalm 27 over you this morning. How about everyone just close your eyes and just maybe just lift your hands to the Lord or put your hand on your heart? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Holy Spirit, we just receive your presence today. We receive your government. Your Word says that the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And we receive your government today and your strength in whatever we're wrestling with, whatever we're contending for, whatever we regret, Lord. We just thank you for your guidance as we don't ignore life, but as we move towards the wrestle of the breakthrough with you. Specifically, Lord, I just want to take authority today over the the, the labels. And, and the memories that we have our pa- uh, in our past that have defined us to this point. And we surrender that to you today. And I break the power of that, God, in Jesus' name. I pull down lies and control of people here this morning. I pull down disappointments and and, and grief that has happened as people have stepped out of the boat. Uh, just words and labels we break in Jesus' name today. just breathe your breath, your wind of freedom over everyone here, Lord. I just release freedom over people, Lord. Just that you're speaking to people this morning about their identity. We just call people up into sonship, into daughtership, to princes and princesses ruling with God. Thank you, Lord.